0: All right, this morning we're going to continue our, um, what Luke Humphrey started off, um, I loved his idea of preaching a survey of the book of Philippians so much, I thought, let's try a bigger book, let's do the book of Acts, how hard could that be? Um, We're actually going to only make it through the first 14 chapters, Lord willing, and we'll be looking at the role of the local church as an instrument and the end result of the Spirit's mission to reach the nation's. Let's prepare our hearts and pray together. Father, thank you for the great privilege we have of gathering for fellowship Sunday after Sunday, uh, for the rhythm week after week of hearing your word, coming regularly to the Lord's table, for the encouragement and correction and building up that happens, and for the way we get to together Be a part of your mission to reach the nations with the gospel. Uh, Father, we pray that even this morning, that from your word you would speak through me. Would you help convince us that our church needs to be the sort of church that sends and sustains and supports other churches being planted? Uh, That we would be faithful to our missionary partners and in tune with your spirit moving around the world. Help us to do these things. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen. In 1902, there was a shipwreck that was being investigated. A diving team found a 2,000 year old merchant vessel of Greek origin. It was off the coast of Greece in a place called Antikythera. Uh, They found the sorts of things you would expect to find in a 2,000 year old shipwreck. Uh, coins and chests and various artifacts. Uh, there's one particular thing that they found, though, that puzzled the archaeologists that got all of those artifacts. Uh, it was a hunk of metal, roughly cylindrical in shape, with some oddly uh, consistent grooves etched into it. Uh, they brought it to the best and brightest people they could find, but no one had any idea what it was and they couldn't discover what it was for. So it sat on the shelf of a museum for literally 100 years. And then in 2008, a group of archeologists got access to some modern x-ray equipment, and they put this mystery hunk of metal inside, and what they found was astonishing. Uh, It turned out it was a very complicated machine, really, you could describe it as the world's first computer. Uh, 2000 years ago, someone was able to manufacture tiny gears that would work together. And on the inside, there was also a manual that explained the whole thing. Uh, The Antikythera mechanism was used to predict solar and lunar eclipses and to predict the location of important stars. Uh, Something that, as you might imagine, a sailor 2,000 years ago would be very, very important. Uh, What a difference it makes when you know what something is, you can realize what in fact it's for. And we live in a time that I fear many Christians are a bit mystified about what the local church is and as a result are fuzzy on what it is for. Uh, Oftentimes, even with great zeal to reach people for Christ and certainly to see Christ preached throughout the nations, they're not quite sure about this old 2,000-year-old relic of the institutional church. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if we had more flexibility in the way we reach out to people? Uh, Wouldn't it be uh, so much better if we just multiplied more rapidly and didn't bother to stop to plant churches along the way? Uh, but I'm here to convince us this morning that the local church is not an accident or something for a previous era of church history. In fact, the local church is God's idea, and it is the Spirit's plan to reach the nations and the product of reaching the nations. Uh, that If rightly understood, we'll, uh, we will see the great gift that the local church is to ourselves as individual believers And how essential it is to making sure Christ is preached in every corner of the globe. Uh, We're going to do that by going through the first 14 chapters of Acts. Obviously, I'm not going to go through every verse. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to break it up into three sections. The first two will be longer than the third. So don't let yourself be anxious when we're, we're 30 minutes in, two points in. Let me tell you those three sections up front. And then we'll move through together. The first is The spirit's plan to create a people. The church is the spirit's plan to create a people. Second, the spirit's instrument for reaching the nations. The church is the spirit's instrument for reaching the nations. And then third and finally, the spirit's intended result of missions. The church is the spirit's intended result of missions. Or the shorthand way of saying it, the local church is both the plan and the product of the Spirit reaching the nations for Jesus. Uh, Let's begin that first one, the Spirit's plan to create a people that we know as the church. Uh, Where does the church come from? Well, the book of Acts tells us. Um, The book of Acts is a companion to the book we have been studying for months, the, the Gospel of Luke. Um, One of the books I was reading this week describes it this way. Uh, The Gospel of Luke shows us the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and all the acts associated with it. Well, the book of Acts shows us after Jesus has ascended to heaven, his acts to reach the nations through his church. I think that's really close to the way I would put it. I would just add one small detail, a very important person, the person of the Holy Spirit, Uh, The book of Acts shows us as the risen Jesus uses his spirit in his church to reach the nations. Right from the beginning of the book, we see that expectation set up. Uh, We're going to be going through a bunch of different verses in the Bible. So if you have one, you'll be served to flip to the references as we go through. Otherwise, write them down and you can look them up later. Uh, First one, chapter one, verse six, before the ascension of Jesus, him speaking to his disciples. Verse 6 So when they had come together, they asked him, uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Right from the beginning, Jesus lays out how this is going to happen. How will his mission for the nations to hear his name and come under his lordship happen? Well, the Holy Spirit is going to come and empower the church to go out and be witnesses for Christ. And chapter 2 shows that happening on the day of Pentecost. Uh, a huge reversal in the uh, trajectory of the life of the disciples. They went from a fearful band hiding in, behind locked doors to out powerfully preaching Christ in public. Uh, the gathered multitudes of Jews that had come to Jerusalem from all manner of nations heard the miraculous preaching of the disciples uh, even heard them in their own tongues and languages and as a result Thousands were saved. But even from the beginning here of the book, we notice Luke says something more than just they were saved. Look with me in chapter 2, verse 41. Luke certainly tells us the fact that they're saved, but he says more than that. So he said after this preaching, he says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Uh, People were saved when they heard the good news of Jesus preached and they repented and were baptized. But more than that, they were added. Added to what? Uh, Well, we get another snapshot of it just a little bit further down, 42 through 47 of chapter 2, describing the, the community of Christians that's emerging. They're dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They're in each other's homes, meeting regularly. They're selling possessions so that there's enough to go around for everyone. They're praying together. Then pick it up in verse 46 with me. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Uh, Again, people are being saved, but they're being described as being saved into something, added to the number Of, of what? Well, the church. Now, so far that word church hasn't shown up, but if you know what the church is, the concept is already there. Uh, The word that will show up in chapter 5 and moving onward for church is the Greek word ekklesia. Uh, It means an assembly. Uh, The Greeks would use it to describe when their citizens would gather together to vote on important matters inside of a city. Uh, The translators of the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek, they would use it to describe the gathered people of Israel for feast days and for gathered times of worship. The people of God... Are an assembly. And when people are saved, they are brought into this assembled people. Uh, Right here from the beginning, you see them again and again referencing being brought together, being added to. Uh, If we had time, you could tease out more details of it. I'll just give you this to write down. Chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. It tells us that they actually assembled all together at once, which was quite a feat. Uh, considering there were several thousand of them from day one. They were a mega church from the first day. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, There was a, a space in the temple grounds called Solomon's Portico that was room enough for all of them. Now, in all of this, we see from the very beginning that the Holy Spirit's intention is not for people to be saved and go off and live Christian lives all by themselves. Now, to be saved is to be saved into the community of The church. Now, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, but you're not a part of the fellowship of a church, ours or otherwise, uh, I wonder if anyone's ever confronted you with this reality that the Bible doesn't actually speak of Christians independently of their fellowship with other Christians. Now, I recognize there are lots of churches and places and people move from place to place, so there may be a time where you are between churches but for your Christian life to thrive and for you to be a part of the Spirit's mission to reach the nations, you need to be in fellowship with a body of believers somewhere. Uh, if you're attending here at Castleton and that describes you, I would encourage you to that Castleton 101 class. Uh, if you're maybe just visiting and live somewhere else or not regularly here, I encourage you find a church somewhere close where you can live. Uh, Somewhere where you could be a part of that community like what's described here in the book of Acts. The Spirit's intention from the beginning was to build a people, the church. And he does just that. And I have to think that if nothing else had intervened, if things had just gone on cruise control from there, the church probably would have continued growing in Jerusalem. And there would be many, many Jewish believers that would have come to faith. But the Holy Spirit had plans bigger than that. And the scope of the, Spirit, of the Spirit's mission is going to be revealed as much wider than just Jerusalem. Uh, flip with me to chapter 8 and verse 1. Uh, at this point, they're starting to get a whiff of persecution in the church. Uh, first bumps and bruises, and then it gets a little, little more serious. And so in verse 1 we read, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. My family and I used to live in Illinois, and we had a a property with uh, a number of trees on it. It was a long, skinny property. And I learned quickly as a homeowner that some of the seeds of the tree as far back on my property as it went, a long way, managed to regularly find their way all the way across my property to the very front, even to the front gutter of my house. Uh, in particular, there's these little seeds that have like little propellers on them. And one day I was standing out there, and I was always wondering like, how did I get that far? And I saw a gust of wind come by and it shook the branches and all these seeds just came and Like little bombs dropping right on the front lawn and right in my gutter. Uh, It's incredible the way trees spread their seeds so that other trees can come about, that life can continue, right? Uh, Well, the the wind of the Spirit blows, and he shakes the tree of the church so that its seeds are spread. Uh, In this case, it's persecution that he uses. But the result is that Jerusalem isn't the only place with Christians in it. Now Judea and Samaria, the, the surrounding regions, have believers preaching Jesus and new churches being formed. Now even at this point, I think there's a lesson that we can be drawn or draw here, about how the Christian faith advances. We should not make the mistake of thinking that the church is meant to expand through military conquest or by tying itself to government initiatives. Uh, From the beginning, we need to remember that we follow a crucified Savior. And he told his disciples to expect persecution as they follow him on the hard road of discipleship. Uh, We inject great confusion into the mission of the church when we blend it together with military power and expansion and conquest. Uh, I once went on a short-term trip to Quito, Ecuador, and we were there to evangelize and went to several different spots, including a in college campus. And I was able to sit down and have lunch with a professor of the university where I was uh, assigned to, uh, to witness. And uh, I would sit, sit down and did exactly what I was trained to do. Uh, yeah, I'm here to tell you about Jesus, best news in the world. You can be forgiven of your sins. You're just got to repent, trust him, his death on the cross, whole nine yards, right? And I was shocked when I ran into a brick wall that I had never encountered before. He said, "Do you know anything about the history of Christianity in Ecuador?" I said, oh, not, not, "Not really." Uh, he said, "Well, let me tell you about it. You know, um, there were some guys that came to start colonies here. They were pretty brutal. They took all the riches from the natives, enslaved others." killed even others, and they did it all saying that they were expanding the kingdom of Christ. And then when they started churches, there was a Catholic church in this case, uh, the priests got really good at getting all the gold out of the locals using their religion as a tool all while the people lived in poverty and starved. So you're here to tell me that Christianity is the answer to the problems that were started by Christianity in the first place. I was not ready for that. (laughs) Now, I wish I had understood what I now have come to understand, that down through the history of the church, every time we have tried to use the sword or political might to advance the kingdom of Christ, what's resulted has been great confusion and at times great harm to the very message of Christ. Uh, No, we should not expect to to feed our foes, and for them to bow the knee to Jesus because of coercion. We should expect through the seed of the blood of the martyrs to see people come to faith, that through suffering and perseverance and faithfulness to preach, that we would see new brothers and sisters in Christ and even new churches form. The Spirit's plan from the beginning was a people assembled. And right from the beginning, we see that happen. Them brought together, and then even them spreading out. But we aren't even to the first phase of what we would consider cross-cultural sending of missionaries. That's for the final two points. That brings us to our second point. The Spirit's instrument for reaching the nations. The church is the Spirit's instrument for reaching the nations. If you've kept up with tech companies, uh, you can observe as the target audience has expanded for Facebook. Uh, originally, Facebook was created to connect college students to each other, kind of like a, a bulletin board but on, uh, with pictures on it, but in a digital form. Uh, but over time, as more users got on, eventually it became for sharing photos of your kids with your grandkids and stuff like that. And then finally, some executive realized, wait a second, why don't we try and get the whole world on Facebook? I don't know if it's still the mission statement, but at least for a time, Facebook's mission statement was to connect the entire world to each other. Uh, That meant finding a way to get internet and electricity and smartphones to places that had never been developed, all around the, the world in rural spots in Africa and India, places like that. Uh, You can see the shift in the focus of a company like Facebook and the way that led them to invest in satellites and drones and all manner of cheap smartphones and things. You can also see development in the way the Spirit reveals His plan for reaching the nations throughout the book of Acts. Uh, At this point, the church is spread through persecution almost by accident. Christians run for their lives, and they end up in a new area, and so they they preach. But the Spirit has something more in mind, more intentional sending, supporting, and sustaining missionaries going to all the nations of the world. Uh, Something happens in chapter nine. um, Peter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter ten. Peter has a vision that God gives him, revealing that. The gospel is not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles as well. He took a little convincing, God had to do the vision a couple times for him to get the message, but then he eventually went and told the church in Jerusalem, and pretty soon they were all convinced, yes, Gentiles could receive Jesus and become a part of the church. And you might think, having your mission scope opened up that way, that the church would have immediately said, all right, well, there's people going to hell all over the world, Let's send as many missionaries as we can as fast as we can. Let's go. Boom, boom, boom. Just start sending them out. But that's not what happens. Uh, The Spirit takes a surprisingly slow road to get the church to the point where it can support, send, and sustain missionary efforts. Uh, Chapter 11 reveals the stages of this to us. Start reading with me in verse 19. Chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So once again, another round of persecution, another round of Christians running for their lives. They end up in parts of Syria and uh, Turkey and the island of Cyprus. But then something changes in verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, Who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. For the first time, people are going out of their way to preach to a large number of Gentiles. And what happens? Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now this was not some grand strategy by the church these were just people running for their lives that ended up in a city and finally someone had the idea oh yeah well, let's preach to the gentiles and what happens they get saved in huge numbers and the word gets back to the church in jerusalem there's a whole group of new gentile believers so what do they do they send support to help that church get on its feet uh, we're, we're told in verse 23, uh, 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So this new group of Gentile believers, the word of it gets back to Jerusalem. They're like, okay, someone's got to disciple them. So they send one of their best and brightest, Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas gets there and he sees it's as good as advertised and more. God's at work here. There's so many people to be discipled. So much so that Barnabas says, this is actually too much for me to do by myself. So we we read in verse 24, um, 25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So right after the mission of the church has expanded the entire Gentile world, right after there was success preaching to Gentiles, what's the first thing that happens? A year of discipleship in a church that was already made up of believers by two men who are going to be the first cross-cultural missionaries sent out in a bit. Uh, In the Holy Spirit's wisdom, he knew that there was a work of building up the church needed to be done first. Before they are ready to send and sustain, they first need to be supported. Now, as a result of that, you might think, okay, well, a year of discipleship, surely that's enough to, to send out missionaries. Ah, Holy Spirit has other ideas. Verse 27, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Uh, So after the year of discipleship, some unspecified amount of time goes by, And then there's a prophecy, by the way, from the Holy Spirit. This is his idea. Oh, there's a famine that's about to hit. And all those original churches in Judea and Samaria, they're going to be really badly hit by this. So let's take an offering and let's send the two guys that are going to be our missionaries. We're going to send them back on a humanitarian mission before they go out evangelizing. Uh, Now, frankly, when I was first studying this, this was baffling to me. Uh, I realize I'm a product of my time and where I live, and so I have in my DNA, maybe what you do as well, uh, this idea of urgency and speed to reach people. Uh, I think part of that is very, very good. People need to hear about Jesus. They're living and they're dying, and oftentimes they don't have a single missionary sent to them. And yet in the Holy Spirit's wisdom, there is a time for building up and supporting So that one day a church can be ready to send and sustain missionary work. Uh, I've been reading a biography of uh, missionary and Olympic athlete Eric Little. Um, He was known for being incredibly fast. Won a gold medal for his efforts uh, sprinting. But uh, very interesting reading the way he trained. The secret to his speed was his endurance. He always trained much more and much further distances than was normal for a runner, because he understood if you wanna do something fast, you actually need to be equipped to do it for a long time. Uh, I fear too many churches are caught up with the American value of speed. Uh, We see a good endeavor, and we assume just because it's in front of us that we can immediately do it, immediately send someone there, immediately drop a bunch of money on it. But might it be better if we slow down, consider what the Spirit might be doing? Might there be some work of building up and supporting that needs to happen before we're ready to send and sustain over the long haul? You know, it's hard enough to be a missionary already. I, I hope you've gathered from hearing from the Foltz's and the Humphrey's Um both the privilege of serving as a missionary and also how hard it is. But I think we actually multiply the difficulty when we take the shotgun approach and just fling as many people out, as many places as we possibly can, without stopping to consider, are we ready to sustain and support over the long haul? From the beginning, the Spirit spent at least a year, probably more than that, preparing this church in Antioch to be able to send and sustain missionaries. We should expect that we too need to spend time to be ready for whatever missions he would have us take part in. Uh, finally, in chapter 13, we see the first missionaries intentionally sent out. Um, they're in the middle of a prayer meeting, and then the Holy Spirit moves and missionaries are sent. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Uh, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit makes clear his strategy After supporting and building up the church is now for it to send and to support those missionaries as they are sent. That last bit sent them off meant that they were equipped and given the provisions needed for their journey. And what comes next is what's called the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas, uh, they go through Asia Minor, parts of modern day Turkey, seven different cities at least, preaching. Many, many people come to Christ as a result of this. The, the Spirit's plan finally come to fruition. The church planted, and now the church producing missionaries to be flung off to preach the gospel of Jesus. Uh, I was so encouraged by all the things that Luke Humphrey had to say about partnering with missionaries. Uh, I hope you feel the joy of those partnerships. Uh, I hope we as a church also continue to find ways to be faithful over the long haul in them. That we would endeavor to make sure our missionaries are well supplied. Always encouraged and prayed for. That they know that we are thinking of them. We take even, uh, even things outside the structure of the things we officially do through our church itself. But that individual members of our church would reach out through emails and notes letting them know that we are with them over the long haul. Uh, What a blessing it is to see the Lord using you, to to fling out seeds. But what happens when that plan works the way it's supposed to? Uh, What's the end result of missions? That brings us to our third and final point, which will be briefer than the first two that came. Uh, The Spirit's intended result of missions. Spirit's intended result of missions. A tree is not successful in seeding until it has produced another tree. So, too, the work of reaching the nations, when the Spirit uses local churches, is meant to result in other local churches around the world, proclaiming Christ in the communities where they have been planted. Uh, the life cycle of the mission work is not over until self-sustaining, healthy churches are planted. Uh, we see that at the back end of the missionary journey. Chapter 14, uh, flip over with me. The verses 21 and 20 through 23. They've at this point gone through the seven cities, and now they turn around and start tracing their way back toward Antioch. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord, and whom they had believed. You might think seven cities, hundreds and hundreds of people, Christians. You might think that would be mission accomplished for a missionary. Not so. Uh, The work is not done until those believers are saved and saved into a people. Uh, A local assembly of the global church. Uh, Paul and Barnabas go back through and encourage them, and they don't just leave them with a challenge to support missionaries themselves, or to stay faithful. They leave them with leaders, with elders, officers of the church tasked with teaching and shepherding and building up the local body so that that church could one day send and sustain and support missionaries itself. You see, this is the Spirit's plan from the beginning. When when our Lord Jesus promised to build His church, Uh, It was in this way that there would be local churches that would pop up everywhere where the gospel takes root. Now, you may not be a missiologist. Maybe you aren't making big decisions about strategies missionaries take. Uh, Maybe you don't think all that much about how missions is done besides missions is good. You want to be involved. That's wonderful. But I, I want you to have this category in your mind. Uh, Missions is not completed in an area until people come to faith, are discipled, and churches are established in that place. Uh, Now that leaves a lot of room for Bible translators and seminaries and uh, hospitals that do missions. Uh, There's lots and lots of different ways that we accomplish the evangelizing and, and reaching out to people part of missions. And there's lots of stuff to be done supporting established missions in churches in faraway places. I'm not for a second saying we should not support or be a part of those things. But have you ever asked yourself the question, how does this mission thing I'm doing connect to new local churches being established around the world? Uh, I don't think your missionaries will be uh, offended if you ask them. Hey, could you just connect the dots for me? How is it that you teaching English or you translating the Bible or, or you going off into the, uh, uh, the out, outskirt villages and evangelizing, how does that connect to new churches being planted and, and built up? Unfortunately, there are in the need for speed that so many of uh, churches have pursued in missions. Oftentimes, there's not been much attention placed on discipleship and endurance to be able to sustain the mission over the long haul. I I pray that the Lord will protect us from that, that we would be faithful partners to our existing mission partners, and that in His timing, we would see the Spirit using our efforts to accomplish His plan as laid out in the book of Acts, that we would see churches built up, missionaries sent out, and one day see churches planted as new Believers in our Lord Jesus are added to the church until the day he returns. Our Lord Jesus actually gave us a regular rhythm to remember the connection we have. Uh, Even to churches that are planted halfway around the world, places where we may never go. If Christ is preached and the Lord's table and baptism are practiced, and there is true fellowship and accountability among the believers, then we are connected in Christ. And he has been faithful to build his church. Uh, Let's prepare our hearts for the Lord's table as we remember our role in the Lord's church around the world. Oh, Jesus, uh, we thank you for your grace to give your life as a ransom for many. Uh, Thank you for not shrinking back from the great penalty our sins deserved. For being willing to endure every stripe and every blow. To allow yourself to be crucified and killed. So that the wrath of God would not fall on us. But be paid for fully by your sacrifice. Uh, Thank you that you saved us into a people to our local church that is a part of your universal church all around the world and down through the ages. Thank you we have a unity because we are all part of your body and have come in to participate in the same cup. Uh, I Thank you that even when we fall short of the mission that you have given us and being clear and uh as energetic toward it as we should, that you still accomplish your will. And yet, Lord, we, we pray that increasingly our church would be a place where we are faithful to support and send and sustain missionaries so that the name of, your name can be heard all around the world. Uh, uh, Jesus, as we come to the table, would you give us great joy knowing that our sins are forgiven and that we are a part of your people that one day we will join that great heavenly assembly and see the way the gospel has saved people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Our Jesus, as we uh, now reflect on the inner nature of our hearts and our obligations toward each other, would you help us by your spirit, we pray in your mighty name. Amen.